0: And the question for us today is how do I experience God's presence this Christmas? How can that happen for you? Because according to this passage in Luke chapter 2 verses 15 to 20, we're going to discover today that there are actually three steps that you and I must take if we want to experience God's presence. And here's the cool part. These three steps we're going to learn about today, they don't just apply to the Christmas story. And they don't just apply to our life during Christmas time. These three steps we're going to discover are actually foundational to our walk with Christ, and they're going to serve for you as stepping stones for those who want to know more of God in their life each and every day of the year.
1: Welcome to Entrusted Ministries with T.K. Anderson, the senior pastor of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. Thank you for joining us. We are in a five-week series, The Promises of Christmas. Have you ever wondered if God is near you or how you can feel the presence of God? Today, Pastor Anderson looks at the famous story of the shepherds who first saw the newborn Jesus in Bethlehem. It's an incredible story, full of inspiration for how we can experience God's presence in our lives today. Let's join today's message.
0: So today we're going to look at this concept of the promise of God's presence, And it got me thinking, God's a pretty big thing, right? But how about other famous people? Have you ever met a famous person in your life? Some of you probably have, maybe some of you haven't. But if you haven't, uh, don't worry, because I found a website this week that actually provides 10 steps for meeting somebody famous in 2023. So according to this website, you follow those 10 things, and there you go. And if that's too much work for you, I found another site that actually allows you to set up a phone call with someone famous for a fee. For example, I discovered that you can actually set up a personal phone call with Shark Tank personality Mark Cuban for only $166 per minute. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a little expensive for me. So without the 10 steps or without paying 166 minutes, I thought back through my life and I realized I've actually been able to meet a few famous people over the years. And each time the experience is a bit similar. There always seems to be a little bit of excitement in the air and then the people around the famous people kind of act a little differently. Maybe you've experienced that as well. But it got me thinking, what if God wanted to meet you? Wow, that'd be pretty interesting, wouldn't it? What if God wanted to introduce himself to you? How would that make you feel? Maybe for most of us, it might make us feel a little bit nervous. For some, might be a little tense, maybe anxious, maybe afraid, maybe excited. Maybe a little bit of all those emotions kind of all wrapped up into one. You know, it must have felt a little bit like that for the shepherds in the Bible story that we're going to look at today. I mean, if you think about it, here they were just minding their own business, tending to their sheep. Suddenly an angel of God, the Bible tells us, shows up and proclaims this big news about Jesus. And if that wasn't enough to shock them after the initial angel disclosed the message to them, The Bible says a host of other heavenly angels joined in on the event. And at the core of this whole message, this angelic message, was an invitation for these ordinary shepherds to meet God. That's pretty cool. And we find this invitation in verse 12 of Luke chapter 2. Here it is up on the screen. The Bible says the angel said, and you will recognize him, meaning Jesus, by this sign You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. So there's their invitation to go see Jesus. As you may remember, we're in the midst of this Christmas series that's entitled Christmas at the Movies. And it's a five-part series focusing on five different scenes of of the Bible that illuminate for us the Christmas story. In week one, we looked at the promise of God's son, and that was the story of the angel talking to Mary. Scene two last week, we looked at how Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem and how the shepherds received this initial message, and we called that the promise of God's love. And today, we are looking at the promise of God's presence as the shepherds followed up on this invitation to meet God. And the question for us today is, how do I experience God's presence This Christmas. How can that happen for you? Because according to this passage in Luke chapter 2 verses 15 to 20, we're going to discover today that there are actually three steps that you and I must take if we want to experience God's presence. And here's the cool part. These three steps we're going to learn about today, they don't just apply to the Christmas story and they don't just apply to our life during Christmas time. These three steps we're going to discover are actually foundational to our walk with Christ And they're going to serve for you as stepping stones for those who want to know more of God in their life each and every day of the year. So let's dive into the heavenly angels, the scruffy shepherds, and a newborn baby. And here's what we're going to discover in your notes. The first thing we learn if we want to experience God's presence is to be where God is moving. Be where God is moving. Let's start here in verse 15. So the angels went away from them into heaven. And then the shepherds said to one another... Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. If you have your uh, pen with you and your notes, I want you to underline, let's go see this thing. Let's go see this thing. Be where God is moving. What are we learning here? I think there's a few takeaways. And the first takeaway that I pick up in this passage is that we learn that when God is moving, The choice is up to us if we want to get involved. Did you know that? God is never going to force your hand and make you get involved with what he's doing. He's always going to leave that up to you. And we see that here in the passage. And so it means that if you want to experience God's presence, he's not going to force you to do it. We see very quickly in the story that the angels showed up and then the angels left. And the shepherd's response to the message was up to them. And it's like that for us here today. You know, years ago, uh, early on in our ministry, uh, Dee, my wife, uh, and I would host uh, quarterly and yearly youth events, uh, youth rallies. And for some reason, these events would go really well, and we would get fantastic uh, responses and feedback from the teens that attended and, of course, other churches and leadership that were there. And so we kept doing these events. We kept pouring into that ministry until eventually it turned into one of the largest teen events, Christian teen events in the state of Arizona. We would see over 5,000 teens in yearly attendance, representing over 250 churches in a five-state region in the Southwest. I'm telling you, the best part of it was we would see hundreds of teens give their hearts to Christ each year. It was a wonderful uh, event that God did through our ministry. And I got to tell you, we had no idea... We had no idea what God had in mind when we started this event. When we showed up at that local church to serve as the youth pastors, the youth group was about 30 to 40 teenagers in size. But God was moving through that ministry. And what we did was we just kept leaning into it. We just kept loving on other local churches and other youth leaders. And God blessed that ministry. And I learned something in those years of ministry. I learned that God likes to surprise us when we step out in faith. I really think so. He loves to surprise us when we say, let's go. Let's go and see this thing that has happened, just like the shepherds. That's what the shepherds said. I think God likes it when you and I say that too. It does bring up a question, though. Why does God like it? So I did a little research, and I came across a... um, a famous um, Renaissance scholar. He was a very sharp Christian man. His name was Erasmus, and he lived during the times of Martin Luther and uh, John Calvin. And he once told this imaginative story that illustrates how important it is that the people of God, that Christians jump on board with what God is doing in their local church and in their community. In the story, Jesus returns to heaven after his time on earth, and the angels gather all around him to learn about what happened. And Jesus tells the angels of his miracles and his teachings, his his death on the cross and his resurrection. And in this imaginative story, he finishes it. And Michael, the archangel asks Jesus, but what happens now? And Jesus answers, well, I left behind 11 faithful disciples, a handful of men and women who have faithfully followed me and they will be the ones to declare my message and express my love to the world. These are faithful people and they will build my church. Michael says, "Uh, but what if these people fail? What's your backup plan? And Jesus says, there is no backup plan. That is the plan. Folks, we're it. And I got to tell you, if I was God, I think I might have a backup plan. (laughs) But he doesn't. He chose to use us, human beings, to bring forth his message of love to this world. Can you believe that? And I think that's why God gets excited and why God gets behind us when we get involved with where he's moving. There's a second thing in this passage I learned. We learned that when the big thing is over, we need to focus on the little thing. When the big thing's over, focus on the little things. I want you to notice this. The shepherds are doing their regular, normal job. And then all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, a huge, what I'll call God moment, Angels show up, would that be considered a God moment? Yeah, a huge God moment happens. And then in a short period of time, the big God moment ends. It's over. What happens next? The shepherds then followed up on that big God moment that just happened. But here's the key. The follow-up isn't a big event. The follow-up is a trip to a stable. Hmm. It's a little thing, but it requires effort. I mean, quite frankly, I don't think anybody wants to get up in the middle of a cold night and travel to an unassuming stable, right? But here's the key. When they show up, they discovered that's where the real action happened, in the stable. It was during the act of humble obedience that they met God face to face. Isn't that cool? It wasn't in the big event. It was actually in the little event. You know, one time Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was sharing with them the end of the world when God's going to judge us for how we, um, I guess, react and how we uh, continue to bring forth the gospel message to our world. And some people were upset because Jesus said, I didn't know you. And he said, and they asked him, "When, when did we see you or when did we know you? And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He said, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And they said, well, when were you this and when were you that? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And we find it's in the little things because it's easy to jump on board with the big things for God, isn't it? It really is. But it's a different thing to continue to follow in humble obedience in the little things. And I have to tell you, friends, it's where we find the presence of God in both the big things and the little things. And that's the lesson here. So here's my encouragement to you. If you want to experience God's presence, be where God is moving in both the big things that are happening and also in the little things in your life. But How can I break that down to be a little bit more pragmatically, more practical? You could write this down. It means get to church. That's where the big things happen, right? Come to church and then get connected in a small group. And then serve somewhere in your community and in your church. Get involved. Those are the little things. And that's the model for today's world. When you follow that model, I'm telling you, you will experience God in your life. That's point number one. Okay, what's the second thing we can learn? The second thing we can do to experience God's presence this Christmas and beyond is to share what God is doing. We can share what God's doing in our life. And we picked this up in verse uh, 16. And they, meaning the shepherds, uh, went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had, been made, that had been told them concerning this child. If you have your pen with you, underline the phrase made known. They made known. That's going to be the key part. You know, one of the most famous Christmas trees in the world each year is the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree in New York City. Some of you love this tree and you watch the lighting. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And each year, the tree is anywhere from 70 to 100 feet tall. This year, I looked it up in 2022. It's actually 82 feet tall and 50 feet wide. And it actually measures and weighs 14 tons. It's a big tree. It's about 85 to 90 years old. And for the past few years, it's been covered with over 50,000 LED lights. And of course, these lights are a little bit different from the original lights that uh, adorn Christmas trees in Germany, which started the tradition. They used to put... uh, Candles uh, with wax on the tree branches with melted wax. And then, of course, we know electricity came along and replaced all of that. But regardless of the type of lightning, uh, lighting, Christmas trees have always displayed lights. Did you know that? Here's a question. Why? Well, obviously, um, lights illuminating dark houses in the dead of winter would be a welcome sign for people coming to visit you. But for Christians, the reason has always been the same. It was to celebrate the birth of Jesus who came into the world as the light. Of the world, John chapter 1. Simeon declared in the temple when he saw Jesus when he was a baby, he saw the infant Jesus and he said, You are a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so, what we see in the biblical narratives is there's no doubt that the Bible encourages you and I to shine our light amid the darkness of the world. The Bible encourages us to do that. But the bigger question comes up when I usually talk about this topic is, What kind of person does God use? to shine his light to the world. Most people think it's pastors or people up on stage or somebody famous, and I gotta tell you, I think it's the exact opposite. According to the Bible, let's go back into the text here, verse 16, it was the shepherds that went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, and when they saw it, what did they do? They made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. I see four things that these guys did in the spiritual encounter. They traveled quickly, They found the right place, they received the good news, and then the last thing is they shared the story. Don't have time to break down all four of those, but I want to focus in on the last part. They shared the story. You see, if you want to experience the promise of God's presence, then share your story. That's the kind of person God uses. And it might be a pastor, it might be a singer, it might be a banker, it might be a baker, it might be an athlete, it might be a teacher. It doesn't matter. God uses the kind of person that is willing to share their story. Did you know that you have a story to tell? Let me ask you: Have you shared it lately? Have you shared your story in 2022 with anybody? Don't let 2023 go by and not share your story with somebody. Well, you may say, Pastor Todd, nobody wants to hear my crummy story. (laughs) It's a boring story. It doesn't entail any extra details. But I gotta tell you, friend, it's not true. If your story is about God and how He's intersected with your life, then that is a powerful story. And never forget this your story is powerful, not because it's about you. Your story is powerful because it's about the power of God. That's why your story is powerful. You see, people all around you are looking for what you have, they really are. The stats have come in, the cultural data has been discovered. People in our culture are lonely. People in our world are anxious. People are confused. People are upset. People are frustrated. Quite frankly, people are just simply lost. And you and I have the message that people need to hear. Let me go back to something I discovered in this passage uh, this week. In verse 10, we hear the angel talking to the shepherds. And here's what he said. He said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Why did the angel say, fear not? Do you remember? Here's the answer. Because in verse 9, we're told that the shepherds were in great fear. Because they were in great fear, the angel said, fear not. And I think this passage serves for a model for our culture today. Because as I said, many people are fearful in our society. Many people are frightened with the future. They're frightened about their finances. They're frightened about their health. They're frightened about their relationships or their job security, and the list goes on. And most people, if you talk to them, are frightened at the prospect of standing before a holy God at the end of their life, when they have passed from this world to the next. They don't know what they're going to say. They don't know how they're going to respond. How will God evaluate my life? Will I even make it to heaven? People are scared at their core. And the Bible says, fear not. You know, as Jesus passed through the Sea of Galilee, the scripture says that he saw Simon and his brother casting a net into the sea. And what did he do? He approached them and he simply invited them to be a part of something big. And they said, let's do it. He went on a little further in the Bible and it says he saw two more brothers, James and John. And Jesus went up to them, extended an invitation. And what did they do? They simply followed. You see, your influence In a person's life will be in direct proportion to the type of personal connection you have with that person. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we should do it. And when we do that, we will experience the presence of God in a new way. All right, so what have we learned so far? We've learned that we can experience God's presence by being where God's moving and by sharing what God's doing. The third and final way we can experience the promise of God's presence is to reflect on what God's doing. Reflect on what God's doing. Let's pick back up here in verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, well, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, if you're like me, you noticed in the text, the first two action steps are a little bit more tangible, right? Go do something, go see something, uh, go share something. They're very tangible. This third uh, step is actually a little bit more introspective in nature. And there's five verbs in this passage that give us a very clear picture of how you and I can experience God's presence in our life. Here they are, wonder, treasure, ponder, glorify, and praise. I underline them for you in the text. You might want to do that in your notes. And the entire structure of this passage actually allows us to create two different categories with these verbs. A category I'll call meditation or devotion, and a category we'll call worship. Here's how the five verbs fit up on the screen. Meditation and devotion, we see the words wondered, treasured, and pondered. In the term category worship, we see these words glorifying and praising. Let me break it down another way. What does this mean? The people wondered, Mary treasured and pondered, and the shepherds glorified and praised. That's what happened in the text. And it's teaching us that that's how we also can experience God. Because no matter what, these people, however they experienced the birth of Jesus, they connected to him in responding in a way that stirred the curiosity of their soul and yet satisfied the interest of their mind. And you know, God still works in that way. One of the ways that you and I can experience God is deep within our soul and deep within our mind. I gotta tell you that many people are sadly mistaken when they say that belief in Christ is unfounded. That's simply not true. Skeptics claim that belief in God is not tenable intellectually. They boast and brag about science and how science somehow disproves God or that science replaces God. Well, none of those statements are true. And the truth of the matter is this, without God, there would be no science. If you think about it, it's God who created the very world in which the researcher completes his experiments. Isn't that true? Without God, there are no experiments. Without God, there's no world. And without God, there's no scientists. He created it all. But what we see in the last part of the story today is, although there are empirical ways in which we can find and experience God, the Bible's teaching us that we can experience God in a more thoughtful and emotive way. And one of those ways is through our mind. And all throughout the Bible, we find the people of God reflecting on who God is, reflecting on what God has done and how reflection provides a picture of who God is in our life on a day to day level, especially how it relates to creation and how you and I fit into that grand narrative. Here are just a few verses to help you start on your reflection of God. The psalmist writes, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds Psalm 119, I will study your commandments and I will reflect on your ways. Again, in Psalm 119, I will stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. Have you ever done that? Stayed awake through the night thinking about God's promises? I've stayed awake through the night thinking about other things, (laughs) worrying about things. Pull Pull out the Bible, start thinking about his promises In Psalm 145, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Did you catch all those words? Meditate, think, ponder. We reflect on what God does as the people of God. We reflect on who God is. We absorb the fact that he is in control of our future. And when we stop and reflect, and when we spend time in quiet prayer, I'm telling you, friend, we can sense the presence of God in a new way. You see, our faith in Christ is not an emotional faith. It's not an emotional faith. It has emotions tied to it because as humans we have emotions. But so much of our experience with God is because we have thought this through. We have pondered these things. We have considered what it means. We have meditated on the depth and the volume of what God's saying. And we have deliberated these truths. But in the midst of all of this thinking and all of this processing, I have to tell you, sometimes in my life, Even before or during or after all of that, I come to the place of the shepherds. A place of sheer worship. How about you? A sheer worship. You see, after experiencing the angel and seeing Jesus, they went away, the Bible tells us. They told everybody what they saw. They were excited. And then they joined in an act of pure joy, worshiping God, praising and glorifying God. Boy, what a great picture. You know, I don't know if those shepherds had great voices or not. They probably didn't. I don't know if they played instruments or not. They probably didn't. But somehow on that night, they joined their voices, they lifted their hearts, and together they worshiped and praised God. So here's our takeaway from this point. Here's a couple application questions. When was the last time that you sat down and reflected on God? Reflected on God and who he is. Reflected on God and what he's done in this world and what he's done in your life. Go get a journal, open it up, and reflect on what God has done. Go into the Psalms and reflect on what the psalmist writes and embed that into your heart. But secondly, when was the last time you glorified and you praised God in song? I know we sing every Sunday morning. We had a great time of worship. But when was the last time you just turned on your car and you turned on some great worship and you just sang like nobody was watching? And everybody driving by you said, who is that crazy person and what are they doing? When was the last time you just sang to God, glorified him, praised him for who he is? That's why we do a night of worship in January. We want to, as a church, set aside a time where we just glorify and praise God on that night together as his people. We want to reflect what he's done in this year, and we want to glorify and praise him for the coming year and see God move in powerful ways. And I want to encourage you this year to set aside some time this Christmas for these two thoughtful actions. As you move into 2023, continue to do this because when you do, I tell you, you will experience God in new and exciting ways. All right, let's wrap this up today. So here's what we learned. We can experience the promise of God's presence when we do these three things. Be where God is moving, share what God is doing, and reflect on what God has done. Well, thank you for tuning in to today's program. I really hope the message uh, has been an encouragement to you. And if you're going through a tough time, please know that God's always with you and you are never alone. As you trust in his wisdom and his grace, he'll guide you through. If you'd like to learn more about Entrusted Ministries, you can visit our website at entrusted.tv or you can follow us on our YouTube channel at Compass Church, Monterey County. That's Compass Church, Monterey County. Now, for the month of December, if you uh, make a gift of any amount to support this ministry, we will send you a copy of my newest book for Christmas. It's entitled, The Promise of Christmas. As our radio broadcasts continue to spread the Word of God, many people are finding Christ, and your support helps us to reach more people with this message of hope and love. I believe that we're living in a time when it's more important than ever to share the love of Jesus with the world. And if you feel called to support this ministry we'd be grateful for any help you can provide. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray for your mercy and grace to be with all of us as we continue to trust you in all circumstances. Help us to share your love and your grace with the world and to lift up the name of Christ in our country and around the world. And it's in your name we pray, amen.
1: Thanks pastor for that message and prayer. Entrusted Ministries is provided for you by partners from across America. Entrusted is on over 400 radio stations. Go to entrusted.tv for Pastor Anderson's messages and learn more about Compass Church in Monterey County. Thank you in advance for your support and help in spreading Jesus' love through this ministry. Remember, you are entrusted with a purpose. And until next time, stay blessed and keep tuning in to entrusted.tv where you will be inspired and empowered because you've been entrusted with the gospel.